This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. This is a, a, an interesting morning. Lots of feels actually going on in my heart, and I'm sure in several other people's hearts, especially those that have been around for a long time. Uh, a lot of things have taken place in this room. And we've talked about this, you know, numerous, numerous times that the church is, is not a building made out of bricks and sticks. It's people, right? But there are places that he plants us for specific reasons. And, and I, I don't understand all those reasons, but he did have us here in Pompano Beach um, for the last 15 plus years intentionally uh, to be used in a specific way in this area. And I think maybe not until heaven we'll fully understand that. I think there's also a lot of intricacies that come with with a t- beautiful tool that gives us get, that God gives us to like this place, like where it becomes there's familiarity here, there's there's beauty here that that you know it's, it's been a place that we've come to for so many years and so many um, Sundays over the course and Friday nights and conference times that we've had here, which is which is so appropriate. So I was I, when we were driving here this morning. Wendy and I, just in our car as we were praying for today, we were, there was like this expression of gratefulness to God, like for the memories here, the good and the, and the challenging ones. It's, it, life is both, isn't it? Like it's, it's, it's the beauties and the brokenness and, and, the, and the strength of life and its fragility, all of that mixed into one. And so we were just so thankful to God, like that he would give us the privilege to have this space. I mean, some of you know the story. We, we never should have even been given this campus to use for these last 15 years. It was a total miracle um, where God touched the heart of this board member at this other church that, that had been entrusted with the care of this facility. And, and he came to a Friday night and he walked in on a Friday night and um, he, was, he was taken back by what he was experiencing. He, he, he was a, a, a president of a bank. He had a full-blown suit and tie on. He came in. I was like, I was actually praying that night myself for the meeting. And what I was asking the Lord to do is not make it so dynamic and so crazy for the sake of my friend that's coming to check us out and give approval or not, whether we're going to be able to have this facility. And the Lord answered my prayer to the opposite of my request. See, we want to, we're, we're so fearful of people and, and what they're going to think and all these kinds of things. And, and God knows exactly what it's going to take to get to somebody's heart. Exactly. And so, you know, at the end, as, as there's people, some laying on the floor, standing up, some crying, some laughing. I mean, it was, it was chaotic. It was, it was, it was a beautiful, um, beautiful mess of God's love coming and touching down in, in a room on a night, you know, over there at the forum and. I peered back and he was just standing like this, you know, with his eyes open. I was like, oh, Lord, we were so close. You know, this is what I was thinking. And then I guess, I didn't know this, but as he's walking out of the forum, tears started rolling down his eyes. And the guy that had introduced us to them, I call him our advocate, who's a close friend to this day, asked him, are you okay? And with tears, he goes, I'm more than okay. And he, and he asked him, what's going on in your heart? And he said, well, I'll tell you what's going on. I've lost all three of my kids. I could get emotional talking about this. 
I've lost all three of my kids to the South Florida culture. And if this is what God's doing in a generation on a Friday night, I'm going to push this thing through because we needed a 100% congregational vote for Methodists. Okay, that's impossible. All right? For all the Methodists in the room. To even get an opportunity to come here. And God alone did that. Eva, Daniel, Felicia would remember we came in here. We had, we had no money to buy a chair or a sound system. Zero. Nothing. To have a state. None of that was available. This, and this place, it was nice in terms of the bones of the building, but it looked really bad back then. And there was this young man at the time that that was a business owner that when I had lunch with him, the Holy Spirit told me to tell him that he didn't, wasn't supposed to give for ever, as far as I was concerned to the Harbor. And I was like, Lord, what am I doing right now? Like, this is our only guy that actually has a job that maybe makes a little bit of money in the crew that we had at the time. And the Lord's telling me to tell him, like, listen, he told me to say to you, don't, you're not supposed to give anything to the harbor. Well, guess what? He was so blown away by that. He actually couldn't believe that I was actually saying this to him because in previous experiences, that had been what, you know, was kind of expected of him to do as a guy who made a lot of resources. Well, fast forward plus a year plus as we come into this building, he ends up selling one of his businesses miraculously and gives a blessing to the harbor, you know, off of the gift of that business sell. And it provided for so many of the things that we needed at that time. Just so many, so many memories, all the, the things that transpired in this building. There's so many things that I could talk about there. But here's what I want to do for the time that we have remaining this morning. I want to talk about, in the final one series message um, that we've been in, I want to talk about how we are one in our stewardship. And what I'm going to kind of get into this morning has to do with us rising in our belief And beginning to excel like never before in the things that God has entrusted to us that he wants us to walk in as a community. As Sarah was sharing about artistic expression, do you know that you each are a beautiful artistic expression of God? There there is no one else like you. Nobody else like you. And I know this because this happens to me. I know that the adversary is in your ear trying to tell you all your failures and frailties and, 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 and things that, that he wants to try to speak into your life that, 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 that are beautiful to him, that he wants to kind of pervert and, and, and say to you that they're really not that beautiful. And when we look in the mirror, we, we don't actually see the uniqueness of what God has created, that, that he, would, he would do something today because God has raised you up for such a time as this, and there's no one else like you. There's no one that can do and give expression to the things that he's entrusted to you, meaning the way that you think, the way that you feel about certain things, the way, the way that you do X, Y, or Z, and it brings you great joy, the way that you relate to people. 
All of these kinds of things, we have to um, walk this all out together, the stewardship of what God has placed in our lives. Like, and, and, they're, and they're great of great value, of tremendous um, rich riches, if you will, the things that he's entrusted to us that are called the kingdom of heaven. That, that are the only things that are going to really matter in the end with our lives as we give expression with every breath that we have in this, in this, in this earth. You know, life is short. So I want to just um, read out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. And you're going to see in a minute where I'm going to ultimately go with this. But I want you to catch the heart of what I'm trying to communicate today. That there's something that he's given to us that we are to steward well so that we can express the fullness of what he has for us to do in this life. Before I read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, let me say this. Remember last week I talked about reciprocal relationships. And as we mature with our friendships in our marriage, with our relationship to God, we're here to um, bring perfection to that other, person, that other person's life. We take in and add the value that we carry to the other person so that we can see them rise and excel in life. And in doing so, we expect nothing in return. Because love has no agenda. I, th- I think you guys know that. I've talked about that. Agape. It means a love without an agenda. A love without a hook. There, it's not transactional. There's no expectation. It's as I give myself for you to see you rise and become all that God has created you to be, there's no expectation for you to do the same for me. But as we mature, as we all mature, that actually begins to happen. The the other person does the same thing. Not because we will it upon them or we manipulate it upon them. It's because they're maturing and growing in this thing called the kingdom of God. We see that in our marriages, right? At first, we're like, well, I'm going to love you if you love me. Or if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. How many of you know that's very immature in, in, in a relational expression with somebody else? It's give yourself fully to that person. Period. You know, give yourself over to them. And so in this verse, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, the writer here is saying, honor the Lord with your possessions, with all the first fruits, the first fruits of all of your increase. So here he's, he's, he's saying, hey, there's something that, that, that is going to be beautiful for your life as you honor God. We talked about honor last week. But what he doesn't mention here is that there'll be a reciprocal back to you because God is in full maturity, right? He's, he's full in his expression of love. We're growing in it. So we're having to learn what it looks like to honor and to, to give of our lives to other people. But God is, is already in that in fullness right now. Does everybody understand that? So that, that's almost for granted because he's, he's, he's about this already. He wants to entrust us with things. So there's this thing in, in, in the study of theology, it's called the law of first mention. And what that means basically is when you, when you see something in the Bible that's mentioned for the first time, there's significance to that. It actually sets a tone for every other mention and puts it in proper contextual perspective, all right? The law of first mention. And so I'm going to show you one of those here today, Genesis chapter 14 Verses 17 through 20. 
says, after Abraham returned from, what does it say there? His victory. Okay, I want you to take note of that. Because we're going to see a, a, what would seem to be a contrast to that statement. But it's actually a both and reality in our lives, all right? After he returned from his victory over Kedor Lamar and his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva. Now look at verse 18, and we're actually going to close out our morning looking back at this verse. So I'm not going to give much, much context to it, but I'm just going to read it. It says, in Melchizedek, you got to take notice of, of these kinds of things. Because there's a real mystery, mysterious kind of aspect of this. And I kind of like it because later in Hebrews, it talks about who Melchizedek is. It says it's actually the pre-incarnate Jesus showing up on earth before his first advent. So anyhow, it's just a, it's just a wild concept. But it says, it says this, in Melchizedek, talking about Jesus, the pre-incarnate, the king of Salem and priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and some wine. We'll come up back to that as we take communion at the end. But look in verse 19, what happens? It says, and Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Now, we got to read this through the lens of this is over actually every single one of our lives. It's not just over, over Abraham. It's over us as the children of Abraham, right? So, the, so Melchizedek, the pre-incarnate Jesus, is blessing Abram. At the time, and he says, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God the most high. We see the reciprocal. He is blessing us, and then we are blessing him. Are you are you tracking with me? So there's the reciprocal going on right here in this very verse. And then it says, Who has defeated your enemies for you? Well, I thought it was Abram's victory. It was. Well, I thought God defeated his enemies for Abram. It was. It's always both. If you get into either extreme and think, well, I'm doing all this, all of this is happening because of what I bring to the table, that is a horrific place to find yourself in. Or if you go to the other extreme and you kind of super spiritually disconnect and say, well, it's all God and God is just doing this and you're actually not really even engaged in the process, you're spiritually stuck and you don't even know it. The Lord is actually having you to, us to move out into the things that he's called us to steward and to, to be entrusted to. There's actually a boldness on us that's not presumptuous. It's like we have one life to live. We've got so many days to give all that we have to God in faith on this earth. Because how many of you know when you go to heaven, there's no more faith that's required. Your, your, your eyes are open to the fullness of all things. You're, 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 you're totally aware of everything that you always wondered about. There is no more mystery in that place necessarily. There may be learning and growing about Jesus, but it's different. So here God is, is kind of taking Abraham on this journey. And then what, is it, what does it say? Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Okay. A tenth. Whew. 
This, by the way, is pre-law. Law has caused a lot of problems in the church. Whenever it's like, you must, you must, you have to, the kingdom of heaven doesn't work at all like that. It's not about the law of God anymore. We're, we're brought into the full redemption of grace, which is divine enabling power to actually exercise something from our lives to the Lord, to the world, to other people, out of, out of this divine enablement that God has given us. When you get under law, it's like, man, you're just, you're just having to will yourself to do it. It's, it's, it's very exhausting. So this is pre-law though. And, it's, and it's, it's the first mention of honoring God in this kind of a way, you know, to, to reciprocate to him. Hey, yes, I engaged my enemies and I saw a victory, but you helped in the midst of that to see this victory come to pass. I'll give you an example. For the last two years, two and a half plus years, we had been engaged in a legal battle that we didn't want to get involved in that actually came upon us. I'm thinking, man, in Bible school, no one taught me, there was no class on what happens as a pastor when you get sued by another church and by the city. You know, but now I have a wealth of experience to pass on to other leaders of what what it's like when you have to walk through these kind of things. And I want to tell you, I gave a lot of time and energy and so did the people that were helping us at the time. But I got to say this up front, God was the one that sustained us in the midst of this battle. Your life, every single day, when you walk out and live outside of these doors, everything we come in here this morning, if I were to ask you, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Everything's awesome. Everything's wonderful. That's not true. Because life is a battle. Even just working in your job, you may love your job, but how many of you know that there's still ups and downs and challenges to that job? The place where God has given you influence. And you have won many battles in that place. But God has always, as, as well, he has given you unction to sustain in that place. And favor and blessing and doors that have opened. We have to understand this is the reciprocal thing that God is up to. So when it comes, let me just touch on this briefly. When it comes to the stewardship of financial resources... What does that that look like when we want to see that amplified in our time to actually be entrusted with greater things, this thing called the kingdom of heaven? Look with me here quickly, Romans chapter 11, verse 16. This is a conceptual verse. It's presenting a concept. In terms of contextual reality, it's talking about the Jews and then the Gentiles and and these types of things, which I won't go into today, but it's, it's a conceptual verse. It can apply to so many other things. And when it comes to financial resources, it applies to that as well, all right? Here's what it says. When the first fruit, okay, same language as Abraham, law first mentioned before mosaic law of having to give to support the levites that that day is done okay guess what you're a levite there's the priesthood of all believers every single person in this room is in full-time ministry do you know that my role and other people's roles is simply equipping you to become all that god has created you to be you are a minister 
So we're no longer giving to support the Levitical priesthood, which was much smaller. Now we're giving to this army that's being raised up of all believers in the earth. Okay? So Jesus, you guys know the story. He calls, he calls financial wealth, he calls it unrighteous mammon. It can never, he's basically saying there's nothing in it that's righteous about it. There's nothing about it. But look, look at this. So how do we steward our financial resources or set them apart for the kingdom? Setting apart means to be made holy, actually. When we say, God, you are holy, do you know what we're saying to him? You are set apart from everything else. And then guess what? He declares over you, you're holy. What? You don't know me, Lord. No, the Lord does know you. But he put his son on the inside of you, made you righteous, and he can declare over you, you are holy. I have set you apart. You are set apart. But what about unrighteous mammon? How is that going to fit into the equation? Because there's, there's a concept here that's very important to our, our ability to be able to steward the greater things. Here's what he says. If the first fruit or the first part is holy or set apart, the lump or all of the rest of it is also holy. The root is holy and so are the branches. I remember years ago, um, my mother, who's been in heaven now for six plus years, I think it's, it's been, everything that she bought with money, she would say, it's the Lord's, Darren. It almost drove me crazy. I'm like, okay, mom just bought a minivan. She said, it's for the Lord. I'm going to use this for the Lord. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand what she was even talking about. Like everything, her house, like the, 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 the food that, that they would serve at dinner at night. If they had somebody over, it's, it's all the Lord's there and I give it all the Lord. What, what, you know what? She was honest on something because every single thing that we have, when it's set apart for the purposes of God's kingdom, it's holy. It's the Lord's. And so when he's talking about financial resources, hey, when you give that first fruit, Abram gave a tenth. I would challenge us that in the New Testament, we may want to stretch a little bit beyond that because we're a little more mature now than Abraham was. And he wouldn't take offense by us saying that. We see a little clearer than he did. We have the capacity to live off whatever percentage we have faith for. But when we give that, it sets it apart. And then it sets all of the rest of this unrighteous mammon that we've been entrusted. Can I tell you this straight up? I'm just going to say it as frank as I can. This world is filled with greed. This, the economy of the world, the, the, the system of this world is completely built on greed. More, more, more. I think I told you guys a story. I, had, I stayed in a, in a hospital room with a billionaire for six days. And when I, I was asking him a bunch of questions, I was challenging him. He actually was like, no one's ever talked to me like this. And I told him, I said, listen, because I don't work for you. You have no control over me. I'm just going to be your friend and I'm going to tell you what's real and what's not real. You can take it or leave it because you can't get out of this room any faster than I am. In fact, I'm going to get out before you are, so you're just going to have to listen to me. But one of the things that I asked him, I said, what's your greatest fear? What's your greatest fear? You know what he said? 
that he wouldn't have enough. And I'm thinking it has to be enough relationships. It has to be enough food, maybe. I don't know, like what. And you know what he said? And when I dug down, I was like, what do you mean by not having enough? He said that I don't, I'll never have enough money. Can you imagine your whole life when you have all this? And that's what I told him. I said, you have so many giftings. There's so much beauty in you. There's so many things God wants to do through you, even in this stage of your life. And man, all you're doing is holding on to thinking that everything you have is what you created. I told him, you did. You're you're, you're a brilliant genius. You've done things with business and money that, man, people I've never even met like you. But you know what? God did it too. God did it too through you. Honor the Lord with your life. Give it all over to him. Unrighteous mammon is made holy by giving a tenth of all that we have entrusted to the Lord minimally. But it goes beyond that to where it starts to open us up to man greater things that he wants us to steward. Look at this with me as we close. Kenyel and them can come back up. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. He says, therefore, if you've not been faithful, and he's talking about stewardship, in the unrighteous mammon or the stewardship of that, he says this crazy verse. He says, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Or in other words, the kingdom of God now and into eternity. Vulnerable moment right here. I think you guys know this, but when Wendy and I were graduating from college, we had just newly been married. We'd have Savannah. Um, we were seeking opportunities for what we were going to do with our life. And there was a couple that came our way, one that we ultimately took, me going to work for Sam Walton and the Walmart company. It's in the book. I encourage you, I encourage you not because I wrote this book, but it's, it's, there's something in the book for each of you. I, I tell you, I'll re-release it in, in the new year sometime. But, but the other opportunity that I had was to open the first freestanding Chick-fil-A in the state of South Carolina. First freestanding Chick-fil-A in the state of South Carolina. You know what 22-year-old Darren thought? That will never work. They're only going to still be in existence in malls because, come on, who's going to go to one restaurant out there in the streets and buy a chicken sandwich? Are you feeling my pain here? I thought I want to be managing all these people. I don't want to be frying up chicken sandwiches back in the back of the kitchen at the Chick-fil-A. That probably won't even work. Wendy reminds me often that I turned this opportunity down. I remind her, babe, but look at the great pay that we've received in ministry all of these years.
But yeah, it's right. It's been worth it all. It, but you know, the head trip is, what do you have? What do you have? Like the enemy comes in, like, what do you have really? Do you have a big retirement? Do you have this, that, and the other? Like, but here's, here's where I come back to. I'm like, Lord, I know we've been faithful by the grace of God in stewarding whatever he put into our hands. And where we've missed it, we've humbled ourselves and we've grown through that. Where we've lacked faith or had unbelief, we've stretched ourselves beyond those moments and we've honored the Lord. Yes, with our resources, but with literally, I, I, I say this and I, I, like Wendy will tell you, like I'm, I'm so... It's, it's such a part of my culture. Like everything I have, I'm like, God, this is for, like it's my mom, the spirit of my mom has jumped on me. Like everything, like we take good, really good care of all of our things because they're Jesus's. People, we do our best to steward people's lives and it's hard at times and we make mistakes. But our heart at the end of the day is to love you and love well. So what we know And I know is that there's something both now that we've we've been given and that will continue to be increased and forever that can never be stolen from us. So let me end with Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. We're wrapping this up. Think about Abram. He's wondering if this whole journey is going to even work and then he has this massive army coming against him and then he has this victory and then this guy comes out of the shadows, this mysterious man and he's holding within his hands two things, bread and wine if you have your communion, I want you to take that out, do you have an extra one baby? oh there it is, is it somewhere? oh here it is up here if anybody needs it, you can come and grab. Yeah, if you have any, you can come up and get, get one. This, by the way, is gluten-free, if anybody's wondering. And there are no red dyes in this grape juice, okay? You are safe here today. Here's, here's what I want to do. We, some of us in this room may be in this kind of a moment right now. Some may not be, and it may be, you know, something that, that will come down the road, but maybe you need this one Jesus to come and find you in a field today and offer you bread and wine. Oh, I could, I could talk for a long time on this, but let me just say that his body was broken for you and his blood was spilled. And because of this, he overcame all things. Death, hell, the grave, grief, hardships, fear, lack, false accusations, pain, health challenges, And he was saying to Abram, as he's saying to us today, I got one thing to give you. 
Bet your life on these two things, my, my body and the blood that was spilled from my veins. And they will position you in a place of power and authority like you've ever, never known. So in just a minute, we're gonna take, but can I update you guys on a couple of really powerful victories that we've seen? I've mentioned that we wanna see our budget level and I've asked, hey, would you pray and ask God, would you consider upping your monthly consistent giving by whatever amount you have faith for? And we have seen 21 households so far do this. 42% of our $10,000 goal per month has been realized with a $4,249 increase in giving so far. Isn't that amazing? Could we give the Lord a hand? That's awesome. I know you can't clap with your communion, so... Relocation expenses, which is what we've been putting any one-time gifts towards. We've seen 32 households within the harbor and 11 households of people outside of the harbor that don't even come to this church. Give a total of $32,000, which is 64% of our $50,000 goal. Isn't that amazing, Jesus? Thank you, God. So good. These things are small things in light of the bigger picture. Sure, we need to get moved from here to there. Sure, we need monthly goals to achieve the budget that we've set, which is very streamlined, and and I, I, I stand on it with all of my heart. But there's bigger things. There's wars to be fought. And bread and wine is our portion today. Could we just close our eyes all over this room? I can feel a lot of things up here on this stage today, just even from each of your lives. And what I see in wherever you find yourself, I see that you're not alone in that field. You're not fighting your battles by yourself. Yes, you've played your part, but God is with you. And I see Jesus walking to you right now and he has in his right hand a loaf of bread and in his left hand some wine and he's bringing it to you today to strengthen your heart Lord thank you for a body that was broken so that we could be made whole would you take and would you eat the body of Jesus He's carrying this glass of wine, his blood that was spilled for you for the redemption of not only your sins, but for the sins of the world, the sins of mankind, to bring redemption. Would you drink of this provision? Thank you, God. Could you stand? I just want to pray a blessing over you. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to, let me just pray it. Father, would you show each life in this room 
the significance of their life. No life is an accident or a mess or obscure. Every person is valuable to you, God. Set aside, set apart, even before the foundations of the world for a specific purpose. In whatever space that you've called them to, to love others with an agape-style love. Would you even now, Lord, in this moment, in our last time in this building, would you anoint us all afresh to be reminded of this? To be reminded that life is not about all the things that we think it's about. That there's Melchizedek walking to us after every victory, after every defeat, and either one, he's still bringing us bread and wine. In the midst of fear and downturns in economy and wars and rumors of wars. God, you're still at work. You're still on the move. God, you're still in the, involved in the lives of your church. You're raising up a mighty army of priests and kings called to reign in this life, Lord. Strengthen us. Would you open your hands? Strengthen us in the spirit today. Strengthen us with something otherworldly. Give us something from heaven. God, remind us of the things that we carry. Like Sarah was saying, let us course correct thinking that's bad, that doesn't work. God, give us truth from your word. Speak to us from your heart. It's the greatest hour in human history to be alive. We will not falter. We will not give up. We will not be dismayed. We will not stay in our pain. We will not stay in our offense. We will move forward in the love of God for the glory of Jesus. Could you give the Lord a huge hand clap of praise today as we close? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Your kingdom shall have no end. Shall have no end, God. We love you, Lord. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.